the Norwegian method. I'm Olav Alexander Bu, peak human performance developer, coach to Christian Blumenfeld and Gustav Eden. I'm Dr. David Lippmann, a health and human performance specialist. And welcome to the Norwegian Method podcast. Welcome to the Norwegian Method podcast and thanks to Morton, leaders in endurance fueling, for sponsoring today's episode. Check the show notes for links and details of a one-time 20% off code to use at morton.com on orders of the 1-52 collection, a one-week training pack. Welcome back to the second episode of the Norwegian Method podcast. I'm joined here again by Lulaf. Thanks for joining me again. And uh, today we're going to talk about planning. The remit here was for us to talk to age group athletes. And, and one of the things you gave as feedback to me before was actually how many of these age group athletes are spending significant amounts of time planning, talking about multi-year approaches, all this sort of stuff. And I said, listen, hopefully it trickles down. Hopefully they're starting. And if they aren't, hopefully this helps. And, uh, and let's get into it. So I guess let's start with probably more so pre-planning is testing. I know that your off-season always starts with testing, right? Is And we've seen the videos. So what would you suggest is an optimal amount of testing? And then what do you think is a minimum? So let, let's give the two bounds within there. So maximum and minimum amount of testing. Uh, and let's call testing um, a metabolic profile. So labs, let's call it VO2 max, et cetera. And then once we have that baseline, how do we then go from there? And we can go what you do with Christian and Gustav, or we can go sort of a step back as well, or, or perhaps we do both. Sounds good. Um, I think I'll actually let you lead the way here because okay. this one is gonna, you can, I think the problem a little bit when it comes to planning and so on, they're one of, this is more, let's say, a way when you have reverse engineered. Yep. Uh, uh, and you're looking at, okay, what, what, what you have done the testing. So you have identified a gap. How do you bridge that gap? Yep. And here, of course, there is a lot of um, different theories uh, for how you should prioritize your training and so on. I think that at the moment you have defined your approach the same way we do, that you basically you do exactly, okay, what is the target? What are the goals? What are competitions that we are going to work towards? And then um, you have identified the gap by doing yep. testing and define, okay, like looking at the performance model. So, um, so metabolic profiling is obviously one part of it, but you do also mechanical power profiling or yep. velocity profiling of, of the athlete. And then when, when that is being done, it comes down to how do you distribute your budget? Yep. And, uh, that is of course normally done through periodization. And then of course mm -hmm. you have a lot of different kinds of periodization models. Uh, some do like traditional periodization, some do reversed periodization. Of course, it would depend maybe probably a little bit on what kind of sport you're doing. So, of course, uh, for most Olympic sports where the duration of the events are shorter than one hour and some extending up towards two hours and cycling maybe being the one sport, let's say endurance sport, uh, combined with sailing that has the longest com effective competition time, I would say. Um, then people are starting to talk a little bit more about maybe you do like reverse extrapolation. So you do like more like the high intensity stuff early in the season to, to create a fundament for what's to come. And then as you progress throughout the season, then you start to do more the specific or let's say long, longer duration work. But then of course you have those people that do, just do traditional periodization where they just go by base work early in the season or what they call like resource work. And then um, they start to build in a build period where they're starting to 
increase a little bit the intensity and then you come into the specialization phase before you go to taper. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say all models are correct and all models are wrong. Yeah, uh, well, uh, some yeah. All models are wrong, some models are useful. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, 100%. Okay, so then maybe let's, let's think about it a different way. If I'm an age grouper approaching you, uh, and I say, listen, I'm competing in the world championships. Uh, this will be in October and it's now November of the previous year. So I've got effectively a year. How do you approach the situation there? How would you approach that saying I've got 20 hours a week of training and, and I've got 50 weeks to go from there. So what would that look like from you? Where would you want you know, full scale testing? Where would you want to have check-ins and those sort of things? So uh, again, First, I would understand what is my current status, of course. You, you already defined the goal, and that's Kona next year, and you probably also have a target yep. that you want to reach, that you are aiming for. So maybe you are looking to climb the ranks, or you're maybe yep. even aiming, aiming for the podium. And if you are aiming for the podium, then of course, then you can look at history a little bit and you know the range of where people are, depending on the weather and so on. Some years they are going a little bit faster, some years a little bit slower, very much dependent on weather, of course. But you, get a, you have a fairly good idea of what is the target. So you already told me one very important thing, and that is basically what is your goal? You, yep. You're an age grouper and you're, gonna, you're uh, going for the world championship in Kona. Um, you do my first question would be do you have experience with racing in Kona from before yeah so let, let's say that I've raced and I want to go faster by let's call it pretty conservative so let's go let's say I, I went 11 hours I want to go 10 30 so. and, and so you've been in Kona and you've yes. raced 11 hours okay yeah. that's super because then you know uh, Ironman courses are very different so like let's say a time target that works in one course doesn't necessarily work in another course um, so you already said that you want to improve your time by 30 minutes um, and when what I would do then is that, of course, for most people, they don't have access to uh, a laboratory where they can do testing and even less where they can do the testing they want to do. You are more or less forced to do a certain kind of protocol that that lab uh, adheres to or believes in. Uh, so I would say that that probably will have a very limited value to your, let's say, to your understanding of your um, performance. Well, let's let's double click on that for a second. So I can go down the road and get my VO2 max done. They'll give me thresholds with it. And they'll give me paces for that. And let's say they're, they're good enough that they'll do that for bike and run. So now I can get a velocity of VO2 max. I can get uh, velocities at different lactates with heart rates for both uh running and cycling so now you have that and you have wattages of course as well so now you've got a bit of a profile let's talk about that and why that might not be as helpful as perhaps some other testing you might do so first of all uh, it depends on we it's not a long time ago since our power meters had an accuracy of plus minus five percent mm -hmm. and then they came down to plus minus two percent and that's not even that's even less time ago now we are in general down to let's say one plus minus one percent but we also have to understand that that's not always true if you take even like one brand one model and you basically take five of that one you'll find probably bigger variations between them than one percent one specific one that you are having will probably for a while stay within one that one percent but most likely over time it will start to drift because there are bearings and other things that are getting a little bit worn uh, many things that are happening to it but in general i would say power meters are very accurate and reliable i i don't spare i don't spend very much time on questioning whether the power meter or the power for a day for christian was correct or not further the problem with metabolic cards is that they have unfortunately an accuracy which is even less 
they and not, not, that's not the only problem. The f- that's further enhanced by that um, respiratory dynamics are highly dynamic, so that it fluctuates quite a lot because your breath is not going to be constantly. So even if you're, let's say, that you're report, you're looking at sixty breaths per minute, you're not going to breathe one time every second. Yes, in average you do that, but not. That's not the case. It's the same with heart rate. That's why we measure, for example, heart rate variability. Yep. And there's a there's also a uh, call it a breath frequency variability. Um, and that means also that even if your volume of air is reported to, for example, 200 liters per minute, or let's say your tidal volume, uh, or to make it simple for myself, uh, let's say your breathing frequency is 50 and your tidal volume is 4 liters per breath, that means basically now you're ventilating 200 liters per minute uh, or exhaling 200 liters per minute. The problem is that your tidal volume is not either going to be four liters per breath. It also changes. And the body is, of course, very sensitive, very, very sensitive to what's going on inside it. Like, for example, what is the levels of carbon dioxide? Uh, And then the levels of carbon carbon dioxide is, of course, a result of your oxygen levels in your body. Uh, So, for example, let's say that you are running and you are under, let's say you are breathing a little bit less for very short time that will automatically drive a higher extraction of oxygen for the same amount of air now but at the moment basically you start to compensate you start breathing more then it starts to reduce the fraction of or let's say the uh, of, of oxygen that it extracts from the air and this is this is not like uh, like on a bike where you basically if you if you like put in more force you just get more power for the same cadence or you will just start to accelerate this is not how the body is work, body is working, because this is more on the call it the supply side. So you can say the demand is basically the velocity or the powers. So you 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 create a demand. You say okay, this is the power I'm gonna gonna do, do now, and then it takes a little bit of time for the body to respond to this. One of the things that also this is like if you were going to do a test on a bike or you're going to do a test out running on the field you would never do like one minute ramps one minute ramp one minute ramp one minute ramp basically to exhaust like to exhaustion to understand basically your velocity profile or power profile and anything like this this is a little bit of like an artificial setting in order to like say create a robust protocol in order to determine in a standardized way view to max across athletes we know there are different methods that you can that you can employ that will easily drive up or create a higher view to max than just doing a ramp a graded exercise test but that's not the point the point is that you are locked into doing a certain protocol in a lab which is fairly out of context for what really you are training for or what you are looking to improve and secondly also your threshold then we can ask what is threshold we won't go there yet. no there are so many definitions of it that it, it, it is crazy that it's it, we don't have a universal language language for it there are of course some models which are more like uh, scientifically you can or like say reproducibility of the models are much micro like maximum like the steady state and so on um, but other than that then there is getting quite fuzzy having access to a metabolic or cart or laboratory to do testing is something that you don't have and again it has maybe a limited value more important i would say then to do the testing or to understand the gap would be to do a let's say at least for the bike do a pole profile yep. but it's also quite useful then to do that in a place where you can also look at the ratio between let's say power and velocity yep um so here 
the reason why it's important to go out and test on a stretch on a, or, or on a controlled place. Basically, let's say you go somewhere which is very, you, you know the environment is fairly controllable. That means that now you can even look at using like methods like virtual, ele- virtual elevation and you can even look at your CDA. So you can look at the power to speed ratio or, yeah. Yep. And, uh, and that gives you one more detail as well. One, you can get your power profile, you have your velocity profile, and now you can also look at everything from biomechanics to, to work economy, aerodynamics, and these kind of things. Running, I would say that's exactly the same. Today we have power meters in running, which is uh, extremely repeatable. Um, that means you can also go out and you can do a power profile also on the run, and there you can then get a velocity profile and you or a speed profile and you get power profile. Yep. And in this sense, you can also start to look exactly on there, also what's going on there. Are you producing a lot of power for the same uh, velocity as other people uh, are doing, or are you equally good there? Is it more like a limitation in your profile than necessarily in the optimization between the two in the work economy? So uh, this is probably the single, the two single most important measures that you can do in order to understand a little bit where to optimize your performance. The optimization that happens on the biochemical side is much more advanced and I would say there are not probably that many people that actually know how to integrate it because it's very often a field where coaches are not normally working. Coaches normally work with power and they work with with speed or velocity uh, while very often you find more the physiologists are working in the laboratories are doing the metabolic profiling but the problem is that they don't work with power so there's a disconnect actually between the metabolic measurements and the power measurements but there is actually very little disconnect between the power and velocity because that's the tool of the coach and the athlete Uh, yeah so uh, that was a long detour Uh, so bringing it back exactly into the question what to do now it's November you're going to improve your well we'll come to that in one second I think just to further explain a little bit better for people I guess is the VO2 max or lactate tests you'll do in a lab are generally, as you say, the goal is to achieve end game. So VO2 max velocity, maximal effort at usually within 10, 15 minutes, right? So if I'm correct and, and correct me if I'm wrong, you would be profiling that slightly differently, which is knowing roughly where you're going to end up. So you know that you know your athlete, whoever that is, is going to have a roughly this velocity and therefore you use a longer step to have the same rough duration and you probably have a good idea of duration that should be reasonable before you start to see durability issues. So you say, okay, we don't want to go for more than 40 minutes. Maybe it's 30, maybe it's 20 because we know that there's fatigue that's going to play in and we know that you're going to be roughly in this spot. And that's really where you care about is that yes, maybe the top, but also perhaps around thresholds. So you probably start a bit below there, use a longer stage so that you hit steady state and you have a better understanding of where things are at or relatively metabolic steady state compared to say a one minute interval where things are so volatile. So you use, say, a five-minute block and you go across this and you use a much more precise way of going, listen, we're going to end up here. We're going to f- back a couple of steps and it's a lot more, the increments are smaller as well. Is that fair to say? Yeah, um, that's one. But I would also say that I would create a protocol in order also to, to let's say, disclose or uh, to identify what is important for that specific athlete and modality as well. So, for example, I would use a different protocol in the laboratory for, let's say, for a short course athlete versus a uh, well, a long course athlete. And um, also, depending on modality, I would also use different protocols. I wouldn't go with one standard protocol. I would I would create a protocol which is bespoke in order to exactly um, get a detailed picture of. 
uh, that athlete's profile um, because again that is much more interesting for me than creating like statistical data um, because I'm looking to dev- to let's say to drive peak human performance and that is something that you have to do it's a research product into each individual more or less you can't go by okay this worked for my grandfather and this worked yeah. for my father so it should work for me as well and and you'll and you're really focused on in there is hitting the the right velocities at those critical junctures call it a threshold that you're crossing call it the vo2 max that you're hitting you really are interested in that velocity because that is almost more helpful in some regards because then you can prescribe based on that velocity as well knowing roughly where you're at so you're starting to see the link in the model between velocity and the metabolism which is i guess what i'm trying to get to yeah and 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 how this actually plays out in the field is that uh, in the lab of course what we get there is that we get uh, of course output numbers and we get Mm -hmm. like input numbers uh, or input and output numbers Um, they are unfortunately disconnected when you come out into the field they are not the same so for example if you go into a laboratory of course some they are closer some they are further away and that is purely a function of actually even how much time you have been using on a treadmill or on a turbo or whatever um, and if you're not used to that, there will probably be a bigger gap between your power on the road and the power on the on the turbo, for example, or on uh, and so on. Um, and that means also that you can't necessarily just take and just say, "Hey, we found your power, or let's say your threshold on the lactate profile uh, to be, or even your FTP for that sake." If you test it on a turbo inside, you can't take the number and just yeah, it's not use it same. out in the field. It's not going to be the same exactly. Um, and that means also that. That means also that uh, what I look for more in the lab are, of course, exactly to get like very deep understanding of the profile of the athletes and the biochemical and biomechanical efficiency. Um, and then I would say that when we move out into the field, of course, then I have some numbers that I can work on. And I would uh, for then for the intensity control, this is where I would then know that, okay, this guy sits around, let's say, that, for example, we're using lactate. So I would know that, okay, for, for Christian, he sits in around, let's say, sometimes of the year, depending on where we are, and this kind of thing, let's say, he sits around, let's just use a number, 2.5 millimoles. Then I, we go out and we know, that, oh, in the laboratory, we found that to be 2.5 millimoles would be, uh, let's say, that sits around 350, 60 watts, whatever. Uh, and then when we go out, we would say, okay, we know that he is let's say not riding as well in on the turbo as he does outdoors just because of the sheer amount of hours that he's training outdoors compared to indoors and then when he is uh, training now outdoors we will maybe okay let's let's target 360 and then we just see what the lactate is there on the first interval and then maybe he comes in at now let's say 2.1 millimole or something just like making up some numbers here but and then we say okay that's that's good just how do you feel and he said ah i feel like i'm actually I have I'm not I'm not at the same uh, RPE that I I've I felt felt in the lab at the same number so I can probably go harder and still not be at 2.5 so okay how much uh, 20 watts okay fine and it goes off again this takes less this whole thing takes less than a minute and I think that's really important to underline again is the RPE is a really big part of that yeah. is that they like people need to be dialing this isn't I've spoken to the guys about this and they say, you know, we use all the tech so that we don't need to use it, which the whole thought is let's get our internal computer and our internal technology better able to understand our physiology and where I can go and where I can't go. So the whole goal is to use the technology to be able to not use it, right? It's not to be 
reliant on it and be fragile as a result. It's to be robust against, you know, having all this feedback so that your internal feedback is better. So he's then saying, and, and the other thing to double click on from what we talked about earlier um, in the podcast in the, in the first episode is the self-efficacy you're building in Christian there, which is what do you think? Oh, you're 20 watts. Okay, cool. Let's go with 20 watts and see how it is. And empowering him to make that decision based on that is so crucial as well. Yeah. So where we're at is we talked a bit about why we wouldn't test necessarily in the lab, in a traditional lab, how that test may vary if we're doing it in the field. We've got velocity profiles. We've got speed profiles that are probably better than metabolic profiles yep. necessarily for the most part of people. So now we have a, an age grouper who's trying to you know, go from 11 hours to 10.30 and we have some variety, some idea of velocity and uh, power profiles. Mm-hmm. So I guess how would you build a season for them? What, what does that look like? I, I guess we have obviously a gap analysis. We now know where we need to go. We need to go there. Is it a linear thing or is it, do we put a period of training in place and then retest? How does that look there? I would say that I, to avoid any false positive or false negatives, stick to the velocity profile and power profile. Be- uh, because bad data is worse than no data. Yes. I, I, yeah. Yep. I would say so. Yeah. Yes. Um, and uh, so when you now have this speed profile or velocity profile or uh, and, and and power profile um then i would basically look at okay where do we want to be and where are we currently and also because you probably already are fairly fast triathlete if you're done 11 30 already yep. um then and you're looking to bring it down to 11 hours yeah, yeah. yeah we go 11 30 to 11 or we can go 11 to 10 30 what oh, 10 does really yeah, yeah yeah same same uh, um then of course you probably have a quite long training history as well so you can yep. compare a little bit like okay what is your what is your profile now maybe you've done a profile before if you have done that that's brilliant if you don't have then of course you still probably have done quite a lot of efforts that are let's say close to exhaustion or quite good so you can start compare that a little bit what what it looks like now um let's say now you have a profile where and this is of course where we start to come into a domain where people ask yeah but what is a good ratio what's a bad ratio between when you have a profile what yeah. what what should it be between five minutes and 10 minutes and 10 minutes and 20 minutes for example i think we will have to come back to that a little bit later more like yeah. with practical cases but normally uh let's say you find another guy that you are training with for example then you can at least start to compare a little bit between the two of you yep. um, and when you're comparing between the two of you you can maybe say oh we know that you are strong in endurance and this look this is your profile oh that's quite interesting maybe this is good and you're also looking to get better so uh, maybe both of you actually are looking to actually uh, make your profile flatter so let's call we, we're going to distinguish between uh, let's say a more horizontal or flatter profile and a more vertical profile um, more vertic- vertical, vertical profile refers to being faster and then having less endurance or the other way around uh, so basically a flatter profile more endurance yep. Yep. Uh, more vertical profile so horizontal profile more more endurance profile uh, and a vertical profile a more like short duration yep. uh, athlete so you're looking you're doing an Ironman so obviously you're, you, do, you really don't need that kind of high end power or like top speed or whatever you are really looking to have something that uh, that allows you to run fast for a long time cycle fast for a long time swim fast for a long time and without basically tapping too much into let's say your um, carbohydrate stores uh, because you're gonna you have to spend them wisely over the day in order to go the fastest possible so then the way i would prioritize it is that for example if i see let's say that you for most triathletes i would say that they, they probably have a fairly flat profile Either, either through 
genetics or, or through training, right? They've, I, I they've was, either arrived yeah. there, they've either had that all their life, and that's why they ended up in triathlon, yeah. or some propensity towards that, yeah. or they've ended up there through training, either yeah. way. And I, I would say that maybe not so much because of genetics, I would say more just, and you could maybe say that genetics is a part of the reason, but I would say more a little bit of what you actually just preferred doing in your training, because basically your profile is heavily influenced with what you do in your training. And let's say that you really like those long rides where you're pushing like semi-hard or something like this, that's going to have a huge impact on your profile. Um, just touching quickly back on this maximum like the steady state and the time to exhaustion. Uh, for anything to have like an impact on your profile, the reason why maximum like the steady state or metabolic steady state is a very effective point is because we have a limited amount of energy and time available to do something with our profile. And the higher intensity you go, shorter the time to exhaustion is going to be um at the moment let's say that duration that you're targeting is long enough that you really are stressing dominantly your aerobic system that is also then going to influence mostly also your aerobic system too of course the higher you go the more of an impact it will also have on your anaerobic system too but basically the body will always try to fix let's say your problem or basically the demand that you are trying to solve the the most sustainable way easiest and most sustainable way that means that for longer duration obviously the body will not if you do like long rides uh, and you do them also like semi-hard you can't really have a very powerful anaerobic system as a function of that. So you will typically train down your anaerobic system if you like do a lot of that kind of training, especially close to exhaustion. But in order, in order for, to have any improvement, basically what we are looking to do is to make a dent in your power profile or velocity profile. So let's say that what I mean by a dent is basically if you now plot, for example, a line between your short, medium and long duration power, so let's say that we, for, for the sake of simplicity, we use five minute power, 20 minute power and 60 minute power. And you do those kind of efforts. Then basically uh, for you to, to influence your profile, you are looking to make a dent in that one. So basically you're either pushing up your 60 minute power or you're able to ride that 60 minute power, the same powers you, you did for 60 minutes Yesterday, you are looking to ride now that longer tomorrow. Um, I wouldn't probably advise doing that, but no. anyway. Uh, and the same thing, actually, if you are do, trying to do something in the more or less in the short duration domain, then even not five, I would say even five minutes is a long duration. But let's say you wanted to bring up your anaerobic power, you are looking basically to increase, that's to see exactly that your power actually now increases in the really short domain. And what I can say immediately is that if you do this repeatedly and you do this in a, like a, correct periodicized way you will also basically see that your lactate constant let's say that your lactate accumulation rate actually goes up as well I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to call it lactate well you can call it lactate production as well um yeah lactate production but you will basically see that your lactate production comes up for the same amount of time so uh, when you do a maximal effort then you know that also your anaerobic system is getting more powerful but basically for the let's say for your short really short duration power to come up basically normally your anaerobic or let's say the glycolytic power or anaerobic power including the rest of the anaerobic systems have also to become more powerful as well there is a fairly good correlation between this guy if there is not a correlation in these two then it is purely because there is a let's say a starts to become a decoupling between efficiency or let's say the metabolic uh, or let's say anaerobic part of it and the power output of it which is not good uh, 
or maybe it is good because your efficiency is, is increasing but that depends on which direction it goes so without further ado back to uh to 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 to, to the to the profile so basically then if you are riding uh, a lot you have a very flat profile you can imagine that if you now just do traditional periodization and you are time constrained then you're to make a little bit like of an anecdote or yep. or or, or uh, yeah or to simplify it a little bit your 60 minute power cannot be higher than your 30 minute power yeah. your 30 minute power can't be higher than let's say your five minute power uh, and if if uh, yeah that, that that that's that's impossible um if you do all out efforts true all out efforts and and you are the state you go into them are the same and even then even if you're not uh, equally rested going to them even then still your five minute power should be significantly higher than your 60 minute power um so but if the drop or let's say the ratio between these becomes too low so let's say your 60 minute power is very close to your 30 minute power like doing rides trying to improve a 60 minute power will be very difficult so what you have to do is you have to start with a shorter duration and start to race race that shorter duration power first so that you, you create some room for your longer duration power to increase the difficulty with this is very often that when you first increase your shorter duration power is that you actually might actually reduce your longer duration power and then when you try to switch back you are just back to square one uh, and this is of course a little bit where you need to put in just enough of a maintenance work when you first developed that let's say shorter duration power so that you don't lose that when you're now trying to bridge back your let's say longer duration power and the same way also when you're trying to like lift your shorter duration power you're trying to do just enough work that you are maintaining your longer duration power um, and that would dictate a little bit how I would then like let's say let's say do my let's say my season but what we also have to be um, aware of is that of course doing more like high intensity work means also that people very often are more prone to get sick uh, injured and other things as well so I would always if I had a longer off season I would always start doing anyway some call it like base work or whatever like this just to get back get the movement patterns back in uh, and then gradually start to bring in, bring it more into that intensity as the weeks passes by and you're getting more ready for that even though you are far away from your competition and then start to look at okay what how, how long time would it likely take to change these characteristics and how much time do I have do, do I need in order to start to harvest on what I basically then develop in order to maximize that on race day we are brought to you today by plasmade Plasmade is a proprietary liquid performance and recovery supplement formulated using only one active ingredient, French Maritime Pine Bark Extract, aka PBE. PBE is an adaptogen which triggers your body to produce a stabilized form of nitric oxide, which is a powerful vasodilator, improving blood flow to muscles and the brain. Plasmade is for use pre and post exercise, augmenting other energy and hydration supplementation used. In addition to all of this, Plasmade also has powerful anti-inflammatory and antioxidant effects, which aid in recovery from training and competition. For your 25% discount on Plasmade and to learn more, head to the show notes. Yeah, I think I'll touch on a couple of things there. There's a concept we used to talk about a lot in strength and conditioning called uh, anatomical adaptation. And it's the equivalent of base phase for, uh, for endurance athletes. And I think that's really important. It's a really cool way to think about it is this, the tissues aren't ready. 
and the tissues are what's going to break down, especially in an age group athlete, especially in somebody who's trying to do triathlon. Like the most common injuries are overuse injuries. You need to reintroduce things very slowly and then be able to bring intensity later. So at the moment we have a, we've got a power profile off season. We've done a bit of base building. Now we're sort of, all right, we've got, let's call it 11 months to Kona. And we've got a bit of an idea of how we want to go about it. You know, I'm a flat profile. Therefore, I'm going to start by raising the ceiling, you know, a little bit. So if we use a house analogy, you know, my, my floor is too close to my ceiling. I need to raise my ceiling a little bit before I raise my floor again. So now, okay, I have this trajectory. How often am I testing? Or is it actually, you don't need a test. You can use race, you can use training data in a much better way to, or as a way to not have to taper down as we talk. So I think that again, now we just said it, okay, um, lab is something that's going to be unavailable to most athletes or, or not as quite not quite as helpful as we'd love to believe yeah so that means that uh, you are then limited of course to your power meter and your gps um and uh, there are two ways to go about this one is where you you have like a standardized set in cycling or running or uh, or actually you need a couple of standardized sessions in, in cycling and you need a couple of standardized session in running and the same for swimming. So those would be indicator sessions. So we say we do call it whatever you want workout and we do this every now and again and we look at the metabolic profile of that. So A, is the velocity changing? Or if the velocity is constant, is our heart rate decreasing? Are our internal measures decreasing as well? Uh, well, actually not metabolic profile because we're not doing metabolic profiling. We're only okay. doing power profiling or velocity profiling. Okay, sorry. So um, <laughs> indicators of intensity, I guess, are they changing? So is lactate changing or is heart rate changing or is something like that changing for the same output or is the output improving? Oh, uh, yeah. Yes. So if you have access to a lactate meter, that is actually quite, that is quite a very practical tool yeah. because if you, of course, we have talked about, of course, all the caveats yep. or pitfalls with a lactate meter. And many of them exist for heart rate as well, yeah. for the record. Yeah. And then, and then uh, but less, the benefit, of course, if you do a lot of lactate measurements is, of course, that you add robustness to the measurements because at some point you're going to get several measurements that are probably going to be around where they are, actually. Yep. And you get some outliers. Um, and if you now see that, of course, your power starts to increase for the same lactic concentration, that is in general a good indicator. Of course, again, we can complicate this by saying, ah, oh, maybe there is, uh, you are more hydrated or there are higher plasma concentration or plasma volume, uh, not concentration, but volume. But let's, for the keep sake of simple, simple keep yeah. it simple. Then uh, generally, uh, an increase in power duration for the same lactic concentration is a good indicator of that the aerobic system is getting more powerful so your sustainable power output is getting better and vice versa if it uh, it goes the other right other direction then most probably your anaerobic system is getting more powerful or your fitness is just deteriorating yeah but uh, so for these indicator sessions people are looking to improve yeah work done in a given time frame so half hour power is increasing so more work in the same time or more distance covered or something yes, like that. Yes. As, as simple as that. Stopwatch, yeah. distance, yeah. be done. And, and I would even say that these are actually brilliant. Power. You can also use power profiling or velocity profiling sessions as well, where you uh, go out and you, you have a session. And then in this session, so instead of having like today, let's say you would do, uh, you're going to have a high intensity workout or whatever. Uh, so let's say you have a high intensity worker today and now instead of going out and you do a couple of like certain intervals you maybe you do like progressive intervals and you do them quite like more like ramped so that you start off like more easy on them and then basically you build towards like uh, 
um, like a five minute all out at the end of that one that gives you a very good idea exactly of okay what have happened to my five minute power now yeah. have it improved have it have it uh, is it stable or is it have, have it gone down a little bit and this is what is important this is important to do not only for that single one you have to do it for at least two power outputs i would say maybe three three different ones so one short like like five minutes or it can even be two minutes but then but at least one short one medium and one long duration and normally spanning of let's say if you do if you read some of the papers that are written on critical power modeling and if you want it to let's say comply to most of the methods that are used to do power or let's say power profiling then you would try to stick between 2 to 15 minutes uh, on this one there are models or where you can go outside of this and in reality you really don't need a model you're just looking at the raw numbers you're just looking out as long as you're keeping the durations the same uh to or like fairly the same when you're going all out then basically uh you will just look at how which direction is the curve tilting have you grown the whole curve basically all your power outputs have become better fantastic this is brilliant you're really responding well uh to your training uh, if you have started to tilt your or pivot your curve then of course it's then you're more like coming more into the specialization where you're starting to trade a little bit more like say after high intensity training more into let's say your longer duration training and so on and are they doing this within a couple of days so they do the short duration one day and the long duration another day or are they doing it across one session so they say listen do a one minute five minute then a half hour or how would you do it really doesn't matter as long as you keep it fairly consistent so for example of course you would maybe get a like a true a true uh um, say 20 minute all out let's say that if you do it like as a of course you can always try to structure this in a smart way so also you do so you do uh in in, in which order you do them but let's say it for the sake of simplicity you do it as a one minute or let's say two minute all out and then you do a five minute all out and then you do a 10 minute all out for example or you do uh, f- five or 10 and 20 minutes really doesn't matter but either you would keep them apart with the same kind of tra- training schedule over a couple of days so let's say you do it over a week so you do one tuesday one thursday one saturday for example um or you could just do all of them on the same day but keep but let's say the the preconditions and the way you execute it has to be the same for it to be as comparatively as possible and probably even best done uh, if you do it sometimes outdoors and sometimes indoors, that's going to skew your results. Yeah. So that's also something to keep in mind. Uh, and then again, also if you do it, let's say in the winter season, indoor on a trainer, and then you are starting to spend less and less time on your turbo as uh, summer starts to approach, and then you get back on the turbo and do it also, you might get deflated numbers too because you don't have the same amount of hours spent of the turbo. So you're a little bit, let's say, call it out of turbo training. Yeah. Uh, so I would, again we are looking to make things perfect that might not be possible to make perfect so you have to uh, make the best out of it but this profile uh, is something i would look to do on a regular basis and i would say that like if, like early in the season you will have much more response so i would say that every four four weeks is is probably good so you don't waste more time than necessarily on where you could have just make adjustments and 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 the reason you do that is to then change prescription going forward so it's not testing for testing sake it's testing so that our prescription improves yes a based on how we've adapted so i've seen a 
pivot of my curve that I don't want to see or I do want to see yep. and let's double down or let's change some stuff. Yep. And also then I can prescribe intensity at a different rate because now my curve has changed as well. So yes. it is both about prescription but as well as feedback. So it's it's feed forward and feedback mechanisms for these people as well. So exactly. really important to remember that. I would say you're effectively talking about two things, which is let's keep a, a situation sterile. Let's taper for two weeks and then go to a lab and do a V2 max test or whatever or go do whatever testing protocol I want. Or let's never test and go in the field and just look at my field numbers and how do they change? And that's the spectrum we're deciding between. And you have to choose where you lie on that. You have to control as many variables as possible, but it's good. The more variables you control, the harder it becomes and the more maybe valid it is, but the less real world it might be. And the harder it is to start balancing that, particularly if you want to keep training through it. Because if you spend, you know, one in four weeks tapering for a test every four weeks, you spend half a month wasting time and not getting better so so we need to balance the two i think is is the key thing here and and sometimes maybe early in the season you may actually go listen i'm gonna use intuition because i know my body and i know what things have changed and my hour about my hour of my hour long power has gone up a bit so i'm going to change my prescription without necessarily doing another test right just so that i can keep training through and don't have to taper down for the test because i'm getting such good indicators that these things have improved and i i would say that i wouldn't even taper for this because this testing you can just do as a part of your training, like a normal training. Yep. Because as long as you keep the training leading into this the same, every time you do it, the conditions are the same and you're just looking for improvement. You're not looking for bragging numbers where you're just looking to produce the absolute highest five minute power or 10 minute power, something like this. You're just looking exactly of how much have my five minute power changed since last time and how much have my five minute power versus my 10 minute versus my 20 minute power changed or whatever power number that you are aiming for. Uh, you're just looking for the delta delta change in this and that is what really matters. So the most important thing is to keep things consistent and then also one other thing just to add to that and that even if you live in a place where you don't have to be very much on a turbo, you can be outdoor, outdoors training, temperature is going to change throughout yeah. the season as well. Climate, and humidity, climate. Yeah, exactly. And that's going, to inf that's going to influence also your power outputs. If, it, if it's like super hot one day when you're going out, that's going to most likely impair your power output. So things will never be perfect and that's a little bit the thing that we just have to live with. It's the same on race day. You can't predict race day. You you can you can have some you can have some ideas about what you want to do on race day, but you just have to adapt on race day anyway. So I think take things as a training, take things as a learning, and then try to things to try to make things as systematic as possible. But there will always be uh, uncertainties. Of course. So now we have good testing. We're testing early on. We're testing more, right? So roughly monthly as we adapt quicker, um, and we've got twelve months. Does that, I assume that then pushes out a little bit. So maybe you're testing six weekly and then maybe every two months as you get closer to, to race day. Do those testing frequencies, does that change how you're programming or just what you're programming, if that makes sense? So yes, it changes the power numbers or the run paces, but does it change what you're doing within the season or how are you blocking that sort of training for these guys or girls? Um, so on now of course when we are back to olympic racing things are back a little bit more to oh, no, we're still on our we're still on our 10 and a half hour uh, ironman athlete oh yeah so. <laughs> yeah but for 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 for, for okay so but for, for for christian and gustav of course uh when we were switching more behind or between let's say short course long course and especially when we went from short course to long course then there were of course much bigger changes to the program uh, but when when you stay on let's say one course uh, and, and this is what you're aiming for then of course you can standardize things a little bit more and that is actually also there's a lot of value into that don't change something just to change something or to make things fancy or these kind of things because that's not going to make you better most likely it's just going to make you worse 
Um, so for 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 an athlete that uh, let's say that now you have a change in your profile, uh, and exactly like you you say, uh, if you now have an improvement in the profile that actually looks like or it is growing, let's say especially let's say the whole profile is increasing, and you're still far away from a competition, brilliant. Just continue to do what you do because you're responding like very well all over the place. Uh, if you start to see that you are getting less response in one domain than other domains now, uh, and you you are still far away from a competition, then you have to look at the consequence of that, of whether that will be a comma limitation at some point of the season, and you have to start to do smaller changes to income, or let's say, uh, avoid that you that you get. And of course, this is now we, we are talking about things now that ends up causing a lot of questions because things are still where we are. We are specific, but unspecific so historically coaches have talked about staleness a lot right so if you read old texts they'll say oh the athlete got stale or how do we avoid staleness or you know overtraining is is probably a more modern version of that but what you're talking about here is okay i'm gonna for some reason the training i've done and my response to it regardless of what it is has brought up my 60 minute power but yeah now i'm actually flattening my curve too much and i'm still eight months away from an iron man for whatever reason now I have to actually raise my five minute power again, or at least microdose some of that in there to try and even out that curve, or I will get flat because otherwise I can't keep pushing that up, as you said. So that's what we're talking about. It's not, it doesn't have to be more complicated than that. It's just have a look at these curves. Are they moving in the right directions? What if you carry on the same trajectory of that improvement, and that's not what you're going to do, but let's assume it is, where are you going to end up based on the time course, right? Because now we have a time course, which is where did I start? Where am I going to? And then where am I in that journey? And let's extrapolate those out and try and make sure that I get there as I want to get there, right? So we don't need to be in Ironman shape eight months out. That's not helpful. And you don't want a profile that looks like an Ironman eight months out. You want a profile that looks like an Ironman probably one month out and then do it with sharpening, taper and go on race day. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, so. Um, if you're... Okay, again, we talked in the first episode a little bit about Kipchoge, and I think we yep. mentioned that he had a utilization of 94% on the, yep. break, on the breaking two. So that, of course, gives you an indicator, because we can also say that your VU2 max, when you talk about utilization, then we know that in this case, if he could run at 94% for the full race, or let's say, at least, I, 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 it would be interesting to see this data like more like in detail. I think these are extra, extrapolated data, but let's, for the sake of simplicity, let's just go, go by that. I think that if you measured his view to max at the end of the race and, and, and where he was staying, those ratios would probably not be the same. But fresh, tested, yes, that's yeah. what, what it looked like. When they tested, okay, this is the velocity you have to go out to, 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 to break two. And um, this is your view to max. So then we say, okay, that is happening at 94% of your view to max. But nevertheless uh if we just go simplify a little bit now and then we say that, okay that's the case then we can say that well if you are profile and in this case it was 94 percent for two hours so you would say okay if your view to max then is let's say a certain number and uh, the amount of oxygen you're using at two hours versus your view to max is 94 percent then we can surely just convert this now straight into power numbers instead so we can basically say, hey, now, view to max is something that's very equivalent to, let's say, three to five minute power. But let's say for the sake of simplicity, we use five minute power. So if your two hour power sits in a 94% of your five minute power, you are... You're perfect. You're perfect for a marathon and not a lot else. <laughs> so now, so now if we, but if he wants to run that, let's say he wants to run sub two hours in Berlin 
yep. right? Yep. Or in, in the ne- is his next attempt. Now he needs to improve that VO2 max. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, he has to get to 95%, 96%. And one of those things is more likely to change than the other one. Exactly. And to be in an other world, I mean, he's otherworldly anyway, but to get even closer to unheard of numbers, if he wants to get to 95 or 96, that's a little bit harder than increasing yeah. his VO2 max. Yeah, uh, and, and that's the same thing here as well. So you already have now have an indicator. So let's say that you are doing a profiling, you know, and you look at your five-minute power versus your 60-minute power. Obviously, 60-minute power should be... Um, then in this case, like for example, for Kipchoge, if we used him, if we said that the two minute, the two hour power, or so 120 minute power, 120 minute power was uh, then at 94% of his five minute power, then basically his 60 minute power will obviously be at even higher fraction of uh, utilization uh, uh, of uh, VO2 max, or let's say a five minute power than, than, than his uh, 120 minute power. So the thing is here that of course here you already have a number uh, you can use at least ninety four percent and for your for your sake you can look at then ninety five and six percent and if you are there then I would say that you are eight 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 months out you really have to work on your five minute power like you say um, that's most likely gonna be the most effective way to do something about this uh, you don't want to lose the power output at your sixty minute. Uh, power but you can actually reduce the volume of training you're doing on that quite significantly you can probably reduce it probably 30 percent depending of course on how many hours you're putting in of training i actually i didn't ask you that in initially when i was when you said that you're going to improve your marathon right. by because that's an that's like we talk about you have the performance medal you're making the gap and you of course yeah. we need to know your budget so how many yeah. hours are you training yeah so we haven't talked about that yet so we have to come into that but how many hours are you training yeah well we'll get to that but <laughs> you've made a really good point which is you can reduce volume significantly on the stuff where you've already you're already close to max particularly eight months out right now yeah. we can really work towards okay let's drop let's cut that volume let's spend some more of our budget whatever that is time energy emotional energy all of it right resources on that so no i think that's that's a really good I, I think that's helpful i mean we can't give everybody's perfect example but i think that's really really helpful there um so you would then be working on anyway, so, so traditional periodization models work on a macro cycle often a year sometimes quadrennial cycles so an olympic cycle which is not really relevant to most age group athletes but let's talk about the macro cycles often a year so it's kona to kona effectively for these people a lot of people and maybe they have to qualify for kona again if they didn't go fast enough in kona so now you've got Kona to Kona, you have to have at least one race in there. So you're going to break it up into probably two smaller cycles. And then you usually have a meso cycle of roughly a month. But these, it sounds like you're going to change for these people, right? So these meso cycles will be different. And then we have our micro cycle, which is for most people, a week. We're going to double click on that in a little while. We'll get back to the week thing. This is something we mentioned earlier and I'm excited about it. But how would you build those blocks? So the blocks obviously usually will, for you, are non-linear, right? They're not necessarily like one month. And they're not necessarily traditional in that they focus on a specific thing as much as they are as a result of the testing. Is that fair to say? So they would say... Yeah, it is, this is, of course, where things is more complex because there is a lot of, let's say, evaluate or yeah, thoughts or evaluations that goes, goes into this because this is also something that you have to look at in, let's say, in light of the performance model mm-hmm. and how long time does it take to change what you have identified as the most important of let's say when you make a product list and you look at the gaps what where will you where are the most to be gained and how long time does it take to change it it might be that those things that takes that are where the most to be gained are like quick fixes well then you can wait then you can wait about it you have to focus on those things that are where you can get most gains but it also takes longer time to to do something about 
Uh, so there's a combination about how much time does it take and how much what's the reward of doing it. Um, and then uh, when you look at this, then uh, you start to exactly you get a priority list uh, of the things that you want to look or what you want to change, and this will drive the length of the mesocycles or how many mesocycles you're gonna repeat. Now we are just excluding the account with, that you're not gonna do a lot of competitions, so that makes it of course much easier. If you want to do competitions, then of course that can be a part of the strategy as well. But yeah. again, to not complicate it too much then I would say that uh, uh, depending on what we need to work on, that basically dictates the length of the mesocycle. And do you have a rough rough ballpark figures on timelines on these things or is that too hard to say for, for most No, people? so for example, let's say that we want to increase your, let, let's go purely by your pole profile now. Yep. Um, so we know that for example, like increasing your five minute power is something we can do and that will be the equivalent of your view to max. Yep. Uh, so the belief, the long haul belief of that view to max is genetic and it cannot be very much changed is as false as it can be, I would say. Uh, we can easily change view to max for a person by 50%. Um, and then the same thing also goes with five minute power, because obviously if you can increase your five minute power, if you start out with... Uh, uh, you haven't been training and you're starting out or you're training very little and you start out at let's say 200 watts it's not a problem for people to bring this up to 250 300 watts and then you already have more than 50 percent increase so uh with volume of course you're not going to get it for free you have to work for it obviously yeah. uh, nature is smart and just to, to be clear as well when you say 50 percent, you mean from from lowest to highest value you're not necessarily meaning you can double Christian or Gustav's at any point? Just no, put, no. Yeah. Uh, th 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 there we are probably closer to a maximum maximum yeah. now, uh, at least for the time that we spend on the training. And and the other thing is that's at, with a trade-off, right? So you've gone from, for instance, going from Ironman back down to Olympic distances. We're going to sacrifice a lot of our two-hour power, four-hour power, six-hour power with the view towards increasing five-minute power. And that's how you've balanced that scale. And conversely, going back, you'll do the opposite. Today's episode is provided by VO2 Master, your solution in making informed training decisions and unlocking advanced insights into human performance. Upgrade your training and metabolic assessments with the user-friendly VO2 Master Analyzer. VO2 Max, RMR, CPET with the reliability, accuracy, and portability that you want. Use the code OLAV method, that's O-L-A-V-M-E-T-H-O-D during checkout at vo2master.com to get a free assessment kit with the purchase of your first VO2 master analyzer. So now we've got an idea of duration. So you said we can quite quickly turn over five minute power or VO2 max. We can quite quickly improve that. What's the timeline to improve something like 60 minute or two hour power? I think that five minute power, the reason why that's very effective to, 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 to increase is that, uh, again, you're looking to improve something that lasts for five minutes. So to crossly over simplify it basically the time it takes to improve or to work on your five minute power is much shorter than it is for your 60 minute power uh, of course nobody would limit themselves just to do like one five minute all out and that's it you would of course break it down into micro intervals and everything so you would use of course the whole session but very often it is it, it, it is quite quick to improve uh, your five or let's say shorter duration power than it is to increase your longer duration power just because of the sheer amount of hours or or time that is needed in order to repeat that kind of effort of course that again you wouldn't you won't do that 
go out and do like 60 minute power today you do it in two days time again and another two days time or let's say three times a week or whatever you're gonna break that also into intervals and maybe you're not gonna do a 60 minute all out either you are just looking at maybe like when you do let's say intervals uh longer duration intervals and you and you accumulate um let's say a lot of work around your 60 minute power inside a session then of course uh that's maybe a little bit more but it just increasing the longer duration power it just requires more time or like like just in a single session it takes more time you you can't you it will be much harder you like increasing your five minute power will also actually in most situation also influence not only your five minute power it's going to influence your 20 10 20 30 60 minute power everything it's not like there is one thing without the other thing um but at some point when you're getting more closer to let's say that 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 peak performance for yourself this is when you have to start to pivot the curve and basically increasing your five minute power unfortunately will start to compromise your 60 minute power because you have to choose yeah. where to spend more time to grow it further up so this is why i normally divide between growing the curve and pivoting the curve like growing the curve is basically where everything just grows up and everything gets more powerful like your short medium and longer duration power and then you get closer to race where you start to pivot this curve towards exactly what what is the target for the for the race that you're doing so five minute power obviously is very quick to to or not yeah but it's 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 fast to do something with i would even say that everything down to depend but if you now are looking to improve your time from 10, from 11 hours to 10 30 uh you are an athlete that are spending quite a lot of time on training i guess so yep. how many hours are you spending on training let's call it 20 hours a week 20 hours a week okay that's brilliant then then you're really uh like invested in this um so if you spend 20 hours on training and that is a sustainable situation for you so you have a good balance in life with that so we are not looking to reduce those hours actually because if you're like running around all the time you don't get enough recovery and these kind of things it might not be the best wrestle to train 20 hours we're getting there getting there we'll we'll get there (laughs) that's a couple episodes time so then then uh if we now again then say that okay yes this is a sustainable situation um then with 20 hours a week then you got plenty of time to train that means that you've got a big budget uh to invest into different kinds of training uh and then i would say that most of you 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 are having probably several sessions that are also quite longer in duration as well uh maybe upwards to four hours uh for example um and then eight or let's say eight months from the race uh and if now let's say that you're 20 minute power is 90 percent of your five minute power mm-hmm. and then i would say that we need we, we need to take a little bit of that time that you're now spending on the longer duration workouts you do pivot it to the short stuff yeah and to the shorter stuff and i would maybe even advise on bringing down the volume slightly too and the simple reason for that is because uh not much because the benefit of having a big volume is, of course, that at the moment we, we, we then also have more room to, to, to trade away some volume to for, for more recovery as well. And if we can recover more for that, let's say, the five-minute session, then uh, or not five-minute session, but the, the, the session where we are trying to increase our five-minute power, shorter duration power, 
we very often say five minute power now just don't 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 mistake that because it can be like it could be like one or two or seven or but but anyway the point is that you have like three different durations of power and then we are just using five minutes just to keep it simple um so you've got a ton of budget to spend yeah you can spend extra resources recovering yeah because the training impulse from the sessions for five minute is quite high yeah and not necessarily very long but it is a very high impulse a very significant impulse so that is going to take more recovery than say a an hour long easier ride right absolutely yeah you might decide that hey instead of spending you know we might make the session 40 minutes and spend the extra 20 minutes instead of riding easy somewhere else on recovery and just spend it that way and and keep it really simple it's just that that's maybe what we where we'll trade some of that off yeah and 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 of course i wouldn't i would probably not advise on trying to increase your five minute power by going five minute all out and then uh, trying to recover from that and then do another five minute all out and try to recover from it because that's not going to probably be very productive i would probably try to stay away from going to exhaustion actually for most of the training sessions that you do um i think that's a I think that's a really important point. Yeah. The number of times are, I think that some people are wiping themselves off the ground, absolute messes is just, it's unsustainable um, in the context of a professional, let alone somebody who's got a job or something else on the side is just keeping that, um, making sure you can go the next day. Exactly. The reward to do for, for doing that is, is very small. Of course, it's important to, of course, train your pain tolerance and an ability to really like dig a hole through the ground and then try to dig a hole through the hole. But uh, that, I think, is something that you have to be very sparingly on. And I would even there consult with somebody. But it's general to hear that, for example, like if you talk with Christian, Gustav, um, Jakob Ingebrigtsen and many other athletes, you'll very often hear that they actually say that the times that they actually go to exhaustion or where they are trying to like bring out their A game in, in training is actually very seldom or never especially when you if you're doing a little bit more of races because basically that's not where you're looking to perform and basically the time to recover also from a session like that is unproportionately longer than it is to just keep it a little bit shorter a little bit lighter and but the benefit you get not like yes surely you can get a little bit of more benefit in that single session but the problem is that you're not going to do a single session. You're going to do 20 hours of training and you're looking to keep that sustainable. That means basically trying to perform better and better and better for every session you go, more or less. Of course, they're going to be sometimes a little bit worse, sometimes better. But in general, the trend should be positive. And that means that you have to basically be very careful with the intensity. Because the cost of messing it up is injury. And one of the best predictors of performance is injury-free time. And being, able yeah, to, yeah, yeah. and being able to stack week on week, month yeah. on month, year yeah. on year. It's yeah. not about one session. It's about how that one session fits into a week, which fits into a month, which fits into a year. Yeah. So that at the end of the year, you're better yeah. by a significant amount. So it's, yeah, that extra 5% of really burying yourself probably isn't worth I mean, it definitely isn't worth it. Yeah. And I think also for age groupers, you might not be injured, but you will maybe stagnate. So you don't get the development that you probably could have um and that's why it's also important when you are looking at your periodizations when you're looking at the mesocycle periodization of course there you are also going to have what i there i would like to clarify one thing very early on and that is there is no such thing as 
high quality and low quality or there oh, should there, 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 there shouldn't be because everything got, should be quality we've got quality coming up yeah. as a, as a, in our tra- <laughs> in our training podcast so we won't touch too much on that yeah but um, so, so so we are not we are not talking here about everything you do should be high quality and that means that basically if your key sessions are being influenced by a lower or let's say what's, what's supposedly going to be a low intensity session then that is not good quality in your planning or in your training. The way that it should be set up is that you need to make priorities in your training. So in a mesocycles, you're going to have microcycles. And in the microcycles, there you're looking at like your workouts. And the workouts should be there in order to exactly try to influence your profile in the direction that you're looking to influence it. So for example, um, if you're looking now to increase your short duration power, you have already said that, okay, yeah, I'm going to have a little bit more like high intensity sessions here now. And then when you're going to have a little bit more of this high intensity session, that means basically not you're going to skip all the other sessions you are because you're still looking to maintain that longer duration power that you have developed. You're not going, you don't want to lose that. So you're not going to make like a huge shift towards high intensity training. It just means that you're trying to be a little bit smarter about it and maybe dosing in a little bit more of it again step by step so then um like one way for example to do a like trying to increase your five minute power is i think there are two parts that are super important to it one is of course like the purely like the physiological part of it you need you need to put out power that is in the domain of your five minute power maybe slightly higher because you bring it down to shorter intervals the other part of it is that you also have to be motivated to do that because it doesn't matter if you have the most like, oh, this, we have done so much research on this kind of micro interval Tabata training or whatever that you have there and you're not motivated to do it. Then just forget it. You're not going to excel probably very well on it. You have to do, you have to develop, um, start start with a good micro interval session. That is a good thing. Like good basis, a good practice is always start with something that is well documented that is working. So Tabata intervals is is works well then really the way to quantify this is to look at okay how can if so if you're using a power meter as a tool to control the intensity then you're actually just looking at okay let's say my five minute power is 400 watts basically what you're looking at doing now is that okay you already said now i can do 400 watts for five minutes before i'm basically completely exhausted if i go in one go okay Simplify now. What we are trying to do now in this single session here now is to accumulate as much time as possible at 400 watts. Not with the highest possible heart rate or this kind of thing because that's not going to bring you faster to the finish line. It's basically more power that's going to bring you more power for longer duration that's what's going to bring you to the finish line faster, most likely. So I would say rather there, okay, go out with something that is really good. Like, so for example, like Renestas uh, uh, training is, is, is two blocks of of uh, 13 intervals on off where 30 uh, where the 30 seconds is basically around 100 120% of ftp and then and there's 15 seconds at 60% of ftp and then you repeat this for 30 seconds for for 13 times and then you have a set break between there of let's say a couple of minutes three minutes and then you repeat this for another block now you have accumulated effectively over 20 minutes of work at your let's say above your view to max so the thing is here that um that when you then do that then how motivated were you actually for this session was it like did you really enjoy it brilliant then 
go again go again yeah. <laughs> and ju- just like take the learnings that you got from this session and try to improve on it like re- try to relax a little bit more while you're still putting out the same power number try to breathe more effectively things that you basically know are good for basically sustainability or the ability to, to excel on these kind of intervals and then you're looking to basically improve on that if you're not motivated like okay what did you not like was it basically too too many micro intervals was it is it easier for you to maybe bring down the power a little bit and then rather do longer intervals with a slightly longer break or something like this to basically again you're looking to basically and this can the benchmark here in this session is basically now in this case 400 watts for more than a little bit more than 20 minutes so let's say yeah. it's 22 minutes yeah. you're basically how you achieve those 22 minutes at 400 watts is your basis this is if you have a 60 minute session with a warm up and a cool down basically how can you structure those 400 watts intervals now in a way is it three minutes on one and a half two minutes off three minutes on again doesn't really matter as the way you basically find something that really motivates you to put out that power because it's not your heart rate it's not your vo2 that's going to bring you make your fast and race day in this case when you're sitting on a turbo it purely is the power that you're putting out and of course eventually the ability to sustain that power also in an aerodynamic position as well yeah and i mean the difference between a 3015 or a 2010 i don't think anybody thinks it's significant i think they're talking about rearranging deck chairs on the titanic if anything, it, it, the difference is, is almost negligible. As you said, the goal is as much, accumulating time above 400 or at 400, break that up how you want to break it up. And if you find that variety is something you enjoy, break it up and, and make it more variety week to week. And if you don't want variety and you want the same thing to benchmark yourself, then keep it the same. Exactly. And you can even inside a session start out with longer duration intervals and then you make it shorter and shorter and shorter. Ramp Uh, ramp it up and down, do whatever you want. Yeah. And then the goal, exactly like you say, you want to, let's say, make a progression on that one for next week. If you're able to accumulate 20 20 minutes this week, go for 21 minutes next week. Exactly. Right. The point point of the day I've been most excited about, microcycles. So... (laughs) How would you think about a microcycle? I mean, the most simple microcycle and the one that's used universally is seven days because the work week is seven days. So aside from work, which is going to be the biggest constraint and the easiest answer is always going to be just keep it seven days or perhaps push it to 14. So you have the smallest repeating cycle, which is the definition of microcycle might be two weeks, right? For some people because they want to run, you know, I know Kipchoge uses a sort of longer run every second week and then one week does interval um, more intensity in that long run. So it could be two weeks. Well, let's say it's not a multiple of seven. Why would you change it? And what factors go into that? Uh, so again, that would actually be uh, for me a function of budget. So it will look at how can I expand my budget because you can. You, we, we, no, we just talked about intervals. Mm-hmm. Basically, what we are trying to do is that we are lo- just looking at it now on a more on a macro scale, an interval on a macro scale. Because you have hard days, easy days, hard days, easy days, and then maybe you have a little bit like two days that are maybe a little bit easier, and then you go harder. So you can almost look at this as basically an interval. A break, an interval, a break, a set break, an interval and a set break. So basically, this is again, basically where we're just looking at how can we not accumulate now the most work per time inside a session. We're looking at how can we now accumulate the most work per week. Or per smallest repeating cycle, right? So yeah. 10 well, days, 7 days, whatever it is. Well, actually, I wouldn't say 7 days. I would actually look at it even on a longer scale. So basically, you're, you're just looking at how can you, on a macro scale, look at oh, how okay. can you actually get the most work done. So in a year then. So yeah. how do I achieve the most in a year, not yeah. how do I achieve the most in a week or in a day or in a session? Yeah, exactly. And then and then basically, from there, of course, limitation actually for Christian and Gustav is that actually there we have to be cautious because we are at the limit of how much energy they are able to get in so how much food actually comes into their body but the thing is that um 
how I would look at my cycles is depending a little bit on what I do. The funny thing is that actually for Olympic racing, I would be able to have a longer cycle okay. before, I, before I repeat it. Uh, for Ironman, the problem there is that there you're going to have typically at least closer to a race, you're going to have like longer sessions where you really, uh, you're starting to work more on your race power. And the problem with those sessions actually is that you are actually also taking out quite a lot of calories. So for example, if you go for a four hour ride and you are putting out, let's say 270 watts, that means basically now you are doing effectively around thousand, thousand kilojoules an hour. And if you're doing you can't that, put that back in. There's no way you can put yeah, in close to race pace. That, at, that's, at that's, race pace. Yeah, that's 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 four thousand. That's four thousand kilojoules. And if you have now, let's say you have a biochemical efficiency of let's say twenty percent, that means basically that the amount of calories that you are actually now burning at the same time is more in the range of twelve, thirteen hundred kilocalories per per hour. And it, we also know that basically if you take in one, like if you take in one calorie of carbs. You're not going to store that, that because of processes that happens in the body in order to be able to utilize that you are maybe left with 70% of that calorie that you actually take in. So 0.7% of that. So it means that basically the ratio between what you put in and what you get out also of food is also highly dependent on what kind of food you are eating. Fats, of course, is a very good ratio. Carbs is is, is a much worse ratio. Um, but... The point is exactly that uh, when you do more like RMS specific training, the problem is that you are running into a domain where you can easily end up stagnating because you you do you 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 are able to do so much work on a day that it almost becomes like difficult to eat enough to sustain that. And if you do that, then for many days in a row, then you are going to go into deficit and then it's just a matter of time whether before you start to stagnate or where you go stale, as you say, or you, you yeah. basically get overtrained. Yeah. And of course, in some t- senses, hopefully you're just getting a warning that, oh, I'm so tired today, I'm not able to do my training. And you end up skip skipping your training and, and you're getting back eating. to it. Yeah, exactly, because you, are, you now are like, getting forced to take a break yep. you're able to to get and you are eating naturally and you're able to recover uh, and get get back into energy balance but this is of course the difficult part of it because it's difficult it, people aren't used to think of these kind of things in terms of budget because if you just think in terms of volume you can have a high volume but you do very little work for example and if you do very little work then of course the calorie demand for this is then also equally smaller and if the calorie demand is equally smaller then basically you will be able to sustain that easily also by normal like eating and a little bit more eating but ironman training then typically i you you probably have to to um repeat rest days of more after to bring you back into balance you maybe do a couple of days and then basically you need to bridge in for example more rec- like a recovery day just to be able to bring you back into balance you're lending you're actually effectively putting in a credit uh, yeah. for a couple of days and then you bring it, you 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 pay that back on on the recovery day uh, when you do more high in- high intensity stuff or medium to high intensity stuff then it limits a little bit self basically time to exhaustion limits the whole thing of course even if you don't go to exhaustion then it's even less time so that means that basically the amount of work that you're able to put in is effectively much uh, less than when you do like yeah. like the Ironman training the problem with Ironman is the intensity is such that it can be sustained for so long that you have this perfect mix of intensity and duration such that you just end up absolutely burning 
all of the resources uh, versus, as you say, high intensity stuff, which is limited by other factors, right? So there's almost no limit to Ironman intensity theoretically, aside from the ability to put calories back in, which is basically the model you work off. And actually, that's also one of the things. Like, the, the, there are, the, you know, I'm a big fan of. Uh, physics and uh, there of course you have the laws of thermodynamics which i really like because it makes it easier sometimes to black box stuff and just understand whether something really makes a difference to performance or not but um, you have also when you talk about intensity we also have the power law so crossly simplified it means basically for if you increase your intensity for two and just two and a half percent okay are you able to feel a difference of two and a half percent so let's say two and a half percent basically means that 200 watts that's not much of change of, of power. If you have a 10% increase, that, that means basically 220 watts. If it's a 5%, then it's 210 watts. Do you feel the difference even between 200 and 210 watts? Maybe, most likely not. 2.5% that basically means that if you actually go at the difference between 200 watts and 205 watts, something that you won't most likely be able to feel very much of a difference of. If you basically look now at your power profile and you move the cursor, so let's say if you have a Strava account, for example. So in Strava now, you move your cursor over the power profile that you have there. And you actually now look, you just say, okay, so let's say you look at 200 watts. Or let's say you go higher, depending on where a little bit also where your, let's say your, your, where you think your FTP sits, for example. But let's say you go around your FTP. And now let's say your FTP is 200 watts. For sake of simplicity let's now find that power that sits five watts higher so two and a half percent higher typically you see that the time to exhaustion on two and a half percent higher is going to be almost 50 percent shorter if you go two and a half percent higher than that again then you see another reduction of 50 percent if you go two and a half percent higher then you get another 50 percent in reduction of that grossly speaking yeah. but the point is that intensity has a like a second power impact on basically time to exhaustion and and then also of course like your training load compared to duration yeah so so that's why for example the higher intensity you go it will naturally limit itself um it also uh, explains why it's harder to recover from yes exactly yeah so yeah yeah yeah. so that's great i think we've really nailed planning here so work back from the start so what's the goal how do we get there where are my deficits and how do I address them? And then start out profiling. Profile yourself regularly. Work out what's your rate of adaptation and what are those adaptations? And are they the right trajectory or are they going to hit too early or too late? And how do you tweak it? How do you change the balance of higher intensity, lower intensity work within that block? And those blocks need to be as frequent as required based on your confidence in the training you're doing to make the effective changes you think are happening. And based on your, you know, how confident you are from the training metrics you're seeing, you may be able to see that in training that you feel you don't need to test again. But remembering that the testing is about both feedback and feed forward as to how you prescribe or how you're being prescribed to your intensities specifically. And then microcycles are related to the work in them. Think yeah. about how that budget. So for most people, they'll be time limited or emotional energy limited or those things where, you know, Sundays a day where they can go along and they can't go along more than that. So... That makes a ton of sense. We love that's been really good. That that was a lot longer than I thought it would be on planning, but <laughs> but very valuable. And that's not a bad thing. I think that's I think planning is probably the thing that age groupers do the least. And the thing where they could have the most benefit is actually doing more than just, yeah, this week I have training. It's like, well, where does this training fit within 
this month or this year or this goal period, right? And it might be that most people are probably going to have two cycles a year. Let's be honest. They're going to have to qualify for Kona, then race Kona as well. Most people would race two races a year minimum, most and many more. Sorry. And I think also the further away you are from a race as well, the more important it is also to think of when you are on that session itself. Because now we just said, okay, there are some, let's say you set a power target in a session and you're trying to achieve that. You might some days be able to achieve it easily. Other days is barely and other days you won't be able to achieve it. And that's, of course, the natural variation that is in the body. And this is, of course, important to be aware of. So what I would always say that is important here, because we haven't talked about the balance inside a microcycle between the different sessions, but I think it is very important to always be thinking ahead. So when you are in that specific session, how is this influencing my next session? Am I, am I able to actually progress on my next important session, my next key session? Or actually, am I digging myself through the floor here and I'm going to be completely like exhausted? And if you're unsure, better hold back a little bit today because you have so many more sessions to come on where you can learn from than basically digging a hole through the floor today and then basically you are not capable of doing your next that, that you're not you're not learning as effectively as if you're holding back a little bit when you are un uncertain you're better off holding a lot back i would more like say inside a session that dial back the intensity rather a little bit more than 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 trying just to stick to a target because the difference between lowering your let's say your power output by one or two percent or something like this is so much better for motivation the, the psychological part of it and also let's say purely let, let's say the long-term physiological benefits than 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 trying just to do like oh i feel i think i'm super strong and then you go you over over uh, estimate your capabilities and you blow up in internally in the session one the total amount of work now you have done in that session if you blow up after your first set that's already a 50 percent reduction and that's not very good advancement than to go bring into the next session so this is very like intensity is very fragile uh, or much more sensitive uh, and you need to always think a little bit ahead in like in the session the intensity i'm going out am i able to do like this set here and i will be able to do next set or do i have to dial back a little bit that's one and the second part of it is is going to be when you are inside the set i'm up digging my completely self through the floor here and then uh and then and then i i i want i would probably need like the saturday session if it's thursday today and the saturday session i i'm not sure if i'm, I'm motivated even to do that then dial back and make this session more like good so that you're ready also for that saturday session consistency is it's over key. time is, is key yeah yeah awesome yeah, that's a great note to end on so thanks again for listening into this episode of the norwegian method podcast and that's episode two all done and dusted everything planning so hopefully you enjoyed that one please send us through any questions that you do have as we've said before via dm on instagram to the centara tech instagram account via email to info at centauragroup.com or if you're listening on Spotify, put it in the Q&A section down there and we will get to it in our final episode of the season. Again, if you haven't subscribed yet, please do so. Rate the podcast as well and share it with a friend. Now, of course, we will see you back here next week where we'll be touching on everything racing. So see you then.